Hello and welcome to the latest Science of Sport podcast. I'm your host Matt Solomon and today I'm delighted to be joined by Martin Bouchard and George Perry. So these two expert practitioners have had years of experience in elite level sport and have recently published the book Eagles, looking at ego in sport. So who better to discuss how you can turn your ego up and down to ensure that you're maximizing your sport performance. So without further ado, it's time to welcome the guys onto the show. So Martin and George, welcome to the Science of Sport podcast. It is an absolute pleasure to have you here. Thanks for having us, Matthew. Thanks. Yes, thank you, Matthew. Pleasure to talk to you. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you here. So can you give us a quick introduction as to who you guys are and what you've been up to in life until now? Sure thing. So uh, I'm a track and field and athlete performance coach. I'm a sports businessman and a writer. So I like to say that I've done every job in the sports industry, except for actually being an athlete because I don't count being an age group distance runner as much of an athletic accomplishment. But in terms of the sports industry, I've been on every side for at least a little bit. And about, well, almost two years ago now, uh, a very unusual series of events led me to getting to know Martin. And I quickly transitioned from being someone who specialized in, you know, 1000 word blog posts about anything in sports to co-authoring a book on ego which was uh, the most difficult, the most challenging, the most rewarding, will I ever do it again experience of my life. But, you know, it got me out of this podcast today, so I guess I can't complain about it too much. And that's, that's the important <laughs> thing, right? Uh, that's the pinnacle of your career, of course, this evening uh, recording this. So, uh, yeah, you're welcome. I've made it. I've made it. <laughs> I'll, give you, I'll give you a big badge at the end of it. You've made it. Excellent. Excellent. Very good. <laughs> so, Martin, uh, and yourself? Um, yeah, so I was the, the other guy writing, uh, writing this book or putting George, uh, with me on, on that. And I can actually reverse is that I probably needed to write this book because I've been doing too much poor science, too much research, too much articles, too much strength and conditioning. Uh, before I was working in, um, in, in Paris Saint Germain. At the moment, I'm working with, uh, with Lille, another French club. Uh, also working with Kidman Lab. Uh, but all, all those jobs, all those, uh, have always been very much oriented toward the, the hard part of the, of the science. And, uh, I needed to, to reflect a little bit on, on that. And that's how we, we came to, to, to put this together, this book, which is based on, on interviews and uh, there's yeah there's a lot of content that I'm sure we're going to go through it uh, today as well. Yeah, absolutely. So before we we really get kicked off on ego and what it is, why it's important, how you can best navigate that, um, can you can you tell us why the book was written? Because obviously you don't just whip up a book and think, all right, cool, that's uh, that's uh, something I can send out to the world. There was a reason for it. So uh, what's the, what's the story behind that? So the story. Is that having been working and centering too much um, my, my efforts on tra- training athletes and uh, trying to, to to improve my, myself as well uh, as a professional, I realized that I was I was often struggling with with myself, and um, I needed to find solutions uh, how to to sometimes to cope with difficult situation that I was handling again myself. And or with 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 uh, with other people in my surroundings, and um, yeah, it was really a quest for for, for question to find strategies, uh, just to be to do to do a better job and and to to feel happier. And uh, at the start, it was definitely not a book project. I just started to to reach out to to colleagues 
with people having more or less the same uh, situation than me, whether it will be on the field, whether in the, on the academic side of the things, uh, obviously around, let's say, overall sports science and strength conditioning. And those calls then turn to interviews. And it's only then when I realized that those people were so, so good at responding to me. They had such a, such a breadth of knowledge some some they were wider than me wiser than me you know so i felt okay that maybe is a good content to to write a book and it's only when i realized that the amount of work that is required to actually put 110 interviews together that i reached out to for for help and that's when uh george came came in the in the mix and george what's been your uh your roles and responsibilities in that whole process because obviously you've got a, a writing background then how did you bring all that together it was really about just trying to create a create a narrative, create a story around the these interviews that Mara conducted. I mean, 110 interviews that were lengthy. These weren't short conversations. These were very long interviews. And Martin had taken the questions and the answers and divided them up into the into the topics that ultimately ultimately became the chapters of the book. But what we needed and what we wanted to do was just create a way of, of connecting it, of introducing each chapter, of pulling out the themes that ran through what all of these contributors said and giving them the context and the coherence and the applicability. So it's not just 110 stories from the world of sports performance, but that these are lessons and that the book becomes a playbook for ego in any high performance environment, whether you're in the back room at Lille in League One or any other pro sports league, whether you are an independent practitioner or whether you're in another field altogether. You know, we think there's a lot in this book that would be relevant to people in tech, in finance, in law, any high performance environment. Uh, you know, there's a reason why so many people from the sports industry write books that are popular in business and management. There's a lot of lessons that come from this unique environment. And so from the raw materials that Martin had from his interviews, we wanted to make it useful to all those people so that they could get the value out of it that he and I were getting out of just, you know, reading through a one-on-one. I mean, that's, uh, that's absolutely brilliant. And uh, having started the book myself, I'm certainly enjoying it already. So that's uh, good news for anyone who's listening who fancies a copy. So in the book, you guys discuss ego volume. Can you speak to then what that might mean and how that then can have impact on the positive and negative effects of ego? Yes. So the, the idea about the volume rather than the, the, the size per, per se is, is more that the fact that, let's say, ego is something that it's, it's the definition of, of us, like Pippa Grounds, the, 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 the famous psychologist, uh, talks about the, the, the ego as the identity, as if it's something that defines us and it's only the way it is expressed. So if we have this volume too high or too low, that can make the difference. And there are situations where we need to have this volume up. Sometimes we need to turn it down. And it's probably uh, like kind of not a mistake, but that's some way, like an excess of language when we say someone doesn't have an ego or sometimes have a too big ego because in the end, we, the idea is we, we have one. We always have one. Whatever the size of it, we, we have one. And it's the way we turn this volume that makes the difference. Excellent. And George, what, uh, what can you then uh, add to that when you put all those things together? So one of the things that I thought was most interesting about this, 
this book and these interviews is that 110 practitioners basically came back to us with 110 definitions of the ego. Um, they all had a little bit in common with each other, but none of them really mapped onto what are the, you know, the reference definitions of ego. They were, and most of them were very much slanted in one way or the other. And the way that I really came to think about ego in the course of this book was that it's a reality check. It's an expression of how we interact with reality. So that's our personality. It's our interpersonal relationships. Crucially for, you know, a book on high performance environments, it's, it's our successes and failures and our ability to recognize the situations we are in. So in sports, we'll often say, oh, well, you know, that player, he's got a huge ego, but you know what? At least he can back it up. You know, he's got the, he's got the numbers and the, and the trophies to prove it. Well, what we're really saying then is, yes, he's got a big ego, but his ego matches well onto what he's done. And I think that's how we want to be able to approach ego in all of our lives, that it reflects the reality of what we've done, who we are, how we interact with the world, whether that's successful or failure. And if we're if our ego is too big or too small, it means we're not accurately reflecting reality. We're deluded or shortchanging ourselves in one direction or another. So that, that then brings up obvious advantages and disadvantages. Can you give me just a quick run through as to, to what those advantages and disadvantages might be when you have uh, either an ego which is too big or too small? Well, I think the biggest disadvantage, I'll, I'll kind of start on the backward side, but the biggest disadvantage of ego is that it's 100% self-created. It's not, it's not like your appendix where you're just born with it. It's not something that like, you know, an alien comes down and gives to you is like you are that you are and you have the ego you create. And that's a huge responsibility uh, because now you're, you have to answer for that and people are going to judge you on it. And if your ego is out of control or, you know, uh, overly self-deprecating, people are going to be like, OK, that that guy is on his own. He's on his own little island over there. I don't I don't really need to have him in my workplace or, or in my life. So, you know, it's, it's garbage in garbage out. Um, and I think that's where a lot of people get into ego trouble. Um, on the plus side though, the advantage is that it is a reality check. We live in reality. Sounds obvious, sounds dumb, but it's true. So the more we can be 100% aligned and in tuned with reality, the more we can take stock and appreciate the things we've done and take pride in the things we've done, also learn from the things that we have failed and fallen short of, and then set an ambition that's both reasonable, but also challenging that we can work towards and let our ego drive us towards that. Because if you don't have that ego to say, I've done all these things up to now, I'm ready to go on to the next thing, then there never will be a next thing. I think that's, a, that's an excellent list of, uh, of advantages and disadvantages and then uh, some consequences. Um, but then when we look at what our colleagues or the athletes we work with or even family members, coaches might be doing, how can we then deal with other people's egos? Because it's easy to then to look at our, ourselves and we'll have a look in a minute about controlling our own egos. But how can we deal with other people's egos? Because that can really get in the way of uh, the performance that you want or even your career, right? Yeah, I, I would say because, of course, we, we have a, a section in the book where we have the, the kind of the do and, and the do. Um, 
which is kind of what you're asking right now. But I think you have to start with with yourself as well. Uh, if you manage better yourself, definitely you'll better to you'll manage to bet to you'll manage to manage the others better as well. Um, so you know, so that comes back to typical uh, behavior, intelligence, this, this 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 kind of things, where you're just able to 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 reflect before before you react. So um, what you can apply to us, you can apply to what happens when you talk to 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 other people. So. so of course, if you, you think about you go to diffuse the bomb, stroke the people rather than going face to face and going going straight in, in in their face. I think that that's that's pretty obvious. But but as much as you try to bring objectivity or try to use empathy, try to put in the other shoes, uh, that will definitely help uh, any any situation. And uh, there's something that I really learned from. All my my colleague in those interviews that every time you you feel that someone is going to to be a threat to 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 your ideas to your to your situation, if you start to understand that it's a first first you you probably can learn from the others. Let's say for example, you know you you you're, you disagree on something uh, and someone that just has let get let his ego be triggered, he will obviously disagree with you. You might even end up in a fight just because you disagree on something. But if you start to say, "Hey, by the way, let's let's see what happens. Let's let's check what is the the other idea, and we may learn from it." And then, actually, this learning can go two ways: either the other idea, the other's option fails, that's just going to comfort your your own opinion and then comfort comfort your ego. So just happy days. But if not, if you just accept that you were maybe wrong or that the other option could have been better, you would have learned something. And if you are into this idea of willing to learn because you're ego-driven, you have this willingness to always be better, learning from someone else should help you to, to accept this as well. So if you put the, the, the stepping back first to listen and reflect on it, it's probably a, a, a good way to, to, to start. So apply it to, to yourself, but to, to the others when you have those discussions with, uh, with those guys as well. It's uh, super interesting. And then I would like to to switch that around then and, and look at that internally. So when uh, myself or a coach or whoever uh, might notice that their ego is getting out of control, either as you discussed, uh, it's too low or too high. Um, how can we then get that back into an acceptable range or even an optimal range? I, I think the the most important thing is is to develop within yourself the ability to to zoom out and to look at yourself as objectively and externally as possible so that you can really get that that reality check. And that's hard. I mean, that is a hard thing to do introspectively. And so it helps to be able to surround yourself with people who can give you that honest uh, feedback and people that you will want to listen to. So a mentor, a, a spouse, a friend, a partner, a coworker that you know that, that you've worked with for a long time, who can you know help you or maybe just bluntly tell you you're off the grid right now. You are way out over your skis. Here's the reality of the situation. Yes, you've done well on these things, but on these other things, we need to kind of you know 
reset yourself. And it, it comes down to finding that alignment. And I think this is why, it, it, in a way, it's easier to be an athlete than it is to be a, a practitioner, at least in the realm of ego, because they can always just go to the score sheet. They can always just go to the highlights. You know, what's our score sheet? Yeah, we might have KPIs, um, you know, in the gym or on the business side with the front office. But that's not the same as, you know, the entire world being able to go to like Transfer Market or Sky Sports and seeing the stat sheet that is quantitative, objective, industry standard metrics to say, all right, yeah, that player, boom, 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 boom. He's got the ego to back it up. You know, how do you apply that for a strength and conditioning coach or a uh, or a um, a nutritionist, let alone a, a front end developer or, you know, someone in any other line of work? You know, how how do we uh, center the ego conversation in reality so that we can be like, yep, your ego matches you. It's tough. It certainly is. And when when we then look at athletes who you mentioned, right, um, obviously for elite level athletes, it's kind of simple. You you go and look at your stats and either you have world-class stats or you don't and your ego might be scaled up or down to, to suit what your outputs are. But in youth athletes, that might not be quite as easy, right? Maybe by some elite teams it's possible. Um, but there's a lot of, of everyday people who are, let's say, uh, 16 to 20 years old who play because they want to be good, but maybe they don't have someone taking all their statistics down. So how do we, when there's uh, athletes who hit that description, how do we make sure that their ego doesn't get in the way of their performance? I think we can apply again this kind of, reality check which is not in this case related to goals scored or or any any points uh, scored but just like where they are where they sit in their development path or in relation to to their colleagues and uh, make them appreciate that it's 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 the journey the journey that is going to make them uh, elite but not what they do at the moment so again to teach them uh, this kind of long term vision um, and that's a very big part of the of, of of the education, you know. And that goes further than just what they do on the pitch, what they do in the gym, but just how how they behave and how they talk to to people. Like, there's so much kids, like especially in, in like in the in the biggest sport, like uh, of course I can talk about my experience in in our football and soccer in the US. You know, there's so much kids that they are now 11, 12, they got a contract and they already think that that, that they are they arrive that that they they are. At, you know, because they have the, this contract, and then they start to to develop those uh, entitlement attitudes, and they just think they're better than others. And of course, if they start like that so young, for sure they won't make it, because that that's the the downside of of having those those blinders and thinking too much about about oneself is that you think too soon that you're too good, and then you just drop you you drop out all the all all, all your standards because you you think you're you're there. So making sure those young kids develop in, in the development understand that it's not because they have a contract. It's not because they have they, they are in the best squad of under twelve that they should stop stop uh, stop working and, and so on. And that, that, that's that's very difficult, especially now if money is involved and and so on. But that, that's our job as um, as as practitioners working with with those kids. 
I think that's some I, excellent advice as well. Oh, sorry, yeah, um, you wanted to you wanted to jump in on that one, George. Yeah, I was just to say, you know, what Martin just said. I mean, I, I think saying, you know, what can youth athletes do? That's not asking the right question. It's what are our responsibilities as practitioners? It's what we're going to do. Um, you know, as, as an adolescent, you know, their ego is just going to go in all sorts of god awful ways, left to its own devices. Um, you know. We're we're here making the big bucks, not just to put them through their paces in the gym and on the track, but, you know, that bigger picture developmental. So it's our job to say, yes, you just did an excellent job for a 14 year old. But if you want to be, you know, if you want to play in college, if you want to play pros, you can't we can't be, you know, judging you and letting your ego get out of control because of what you just did as a 14 year old. We need to, you know, strike a very. Uh, difficult balance between, you know, keeping their motivation up, letting them have a little chip on their shoulder, but making sure that they know that, hey, you have a good ego for a 15-year-old who is succeeding at the 15-year-old level. The 23-year-old level, the U23 team, the pro team, oh boy, you've got some roads to go. So let's 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 keep our heads down and get to work. I think that's, uh, that's some excellent advice as well for, uh, especially for the people working with those athletes. And I'd be, I'd be really interested then to hear in terms of a case study, how, uh, we as practitioners can either control ego or help others to control their ego. So can you guys give us some, uh, some practical advice and maybe some, uh, real world examples as to how that can happen in, uh, in a real life setting? Yeah. I can maybe start, start with, with, with one. I would say it's, and as as George already already said, it's it's easier with uh, with athletes than than staffs and, and colleagues because the athletes you know <clears throat> where they want to go. So with with those types of of players, I think as long as you manage to make them understand that everything you're trying to do for them is actually for them to improve them to help them succeed, they're gonna have the chance to to open the door you're going to have the chance for them to to open open the door for you um but you have to go very very slowly step by step like you do it to show that uh you're not going to judge them you're not going to 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 tell them what to do because you respect who they are because most of the time if we're talking about elite athletes uh, they've made it probably already bef- before you and without you so you have to be very mindful of, of that is that you're just there to kind of support them accompany them for a couple of months for a couple of years but sure you you will never own their success and um, this is what i guess a lot of those players they kind of almost scared about or they 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 fear that those practitioners around them will actually almost use them or you know take take credit for for the job that they're doing with them and as i said they've been successful before already so as long as they those players see you more as a someone that is wanting to, willing to support without looking for getting someone in return, then the relationship can can start as a yeah as you're just on the side you know you're just trying to to pull to pull something from them um, and then yeah of course re- respect re- respect them uh, let them talk <laughs> listen listen and listen and um, use a lot uh, trial errors. Use the evidence that they understand. Uh, that might not be based on three or four meta-analyses that show that this uh, protein shake is better than another, but probably more their perception, how they feel, their own opinion, the opinion of the people they trust, they believe, the group. 
which are things that in terms of codes that works way better than for something that like the cold uh, science from the outside. So again, it's really uh, like uh, something very, very subtle and you need to have a, a strong relationship before you can say anything. Otherwise, the door is going to get closed and you won't be able to go anywhere. So it's a super interesting insight. And um, <clears throat> uh, George, can you then uh, expand on that or give us any more examples as to how you would uh, you would see that in your context? Yeah, I'm going to actually take the complete opposite approach um, of Martin. Uh, you know, he was talking about like how do you deal with athletes that have these big egos, and I'm going to look more like how do I get an ego up to the appropriate level for say a practitioner or someone in another job. Um, who doesn't have enough ego? One of the things that you know was remarkable to me when I was going through the uh, contributors' responses when I first came for the book was these are all people who I mean I, I know them by name, I know their publications, I've read their blogs and their articles, and I was like, if anybody in our field deserves to have an ego, it's them. You know, they're they're people I look up to, the people I respect, and you know, consult, you know, on ResearchGate and that sort of thing. And yet, one after another, they are, they are like, oh, my ego's too big. Oh, I have too much ego. It's like, no, you don't have enough. So one of the things that I've been really trying to do with anyone that I have the chance to talk to the last year is get them to recognize, you know, why do you do the job you do? Why did you choose it? You chose this job for a reason. And, and the more pressure and higher performance the job you choose to do is, the more reason the more conscious choice you have for undertaking it because it is so difficult to do it it is such a long road to get to where you want to go to achieve where you want to go and what i really try to do with anyone that i have a chance to talk to is be like look you set a challenging goal for yourself why because you had some value set you had something driving you to want to do that and now you've done it what did you accomplish to get there what have you accomplished while you were there? What are the impacts you've had? Okay, now that we've taken stock of all those things, now that we've put together your little scoreboard or your stat sheet or whatever we want to call it, let's make sure that your ego matches that reality. Let's make sure that you're happy with all these things that you've done because if anyone deserves to be happy, it's people like you who have done all these things. And so I think, again, you know, many athletes um, might need to have their ego volume turned down a little bit or maybe have their ego size brought down a little bit. But for people in the back rooms of sports, the practitioners, um, and for people in other lines of work, they need a little bit more ego volume. They need a little bit more ego, period, in a lot of cases, because that's a reflection of reality. And when they stand between themselves and an accurate ego, they pay the price in fulfillment. They pay the price in happiness. And, you know, people that have succeeded and achieved as much in a profession that I love as much as this one, they deserve to be happy. And sometimes, oftentimes, they need more ego to do that. And they need to be able to take stock and say, yep, I did that. Yep, I accomplished that. You know what? I'm not going to go around and put it on the back of my shirt, but you know what? I am pretty damn good at what I do. I think that is some absolutely fantastic and 
super interesting advice from two really different perspectives as well. So that's a, a really interesting one. And in terms of time, um, we're fairly limited and I'm pretty sure that Martin is going to be frozen by now anyway. So if he doesn't ask any more questions, we know, we know that he's just sat outside somewhere, uh, absolutely freezing himself to death. But, um, guys, in terms of then, uh, having a look at the book, where can people find uh, more information on that? So, uh, on social media, Instagram, the book, the book's account is Eagles book. Um, and then on Amazon, you can search for Eagles exercising your ego in high performance environments. Um, and then also eaglesbook.com. So there are three ways uh, to get to the Amazon page where you can then read and then buy it or follow us on Instagram um, where we put up a lot of quotes from our contributors, but also other, you know, other ways and other places where we see ego being used and talked about in the sports world and elsewhere. And then me personally, I'm on Instagram at George about sports. Excellent. And Martin, are you still alive uh, there in the, in the wilderness <laughs> in France? All good. All good. Thank you. Uh, um, to follow me on, on, on socials, uh, I'm a bit everywhere with the same uh, same handle, which is uh, Mart, M-A-R-T, 1-B-U-C-H, Mart, 1-Bush, on Instagram, Twitter, and uh, other stuff. Absolutely excellent. So, guys, massive thanks to your uh, excellent wisdom today i've really enjoyed it and uh yeah i look forward to uh speaking to you guys again soon thanks for having us really appreciate the, the, the chat thank you thank you very much cheers and that's it once again a massive thanks to the guys for all of their hard work in today's podcast i really appreciate it and i'm sure you do at home too before you leave, I want to point you in the direction of a Coach Academy. The Coach Academy is a series of lectures broken down into bite-sized chunks. So if you've enjoyed today's podcast and you want to get some more information on a variety of sports science-based topics, get yourself in there and you can get yourself in there completely for free using the link in the show notes in just a few seconds' time. And of course, if you have enjoyed today's podcast, we'd really appreciate it if you could share that with a coach or an athlete who you think could really use the information. That means, of course, that we can keep broadening our horizons and bringing you the best possible people and the best possible content. And that's it. Once again, a massive thanks from me, I'm Matt Solomon for Science of Sport, and I'll speak to you next week.